Hi, and welcome to Popcorn Takes, a pop culture podcast featuring movies, media, books, etc. I'm Marsha. And I'm Mike. And today we are discussing The Holdovers 2023. Um... This holiday season did not go as planned for us. We missed two weeks um, due to illness and um, the timeline of our floors and our first floor of our house getting corrected and, and getting installed. It was chaos. So, unfortunately, we had plans for more holiday movies, but this is probably going to be the last one for this season, and then we're going to get into Oscar movies. Oscar-nominated movies, I should say. Um, So the summary for this book, art book, (laughs) the summary for this movie is, uh, the spoiler-free summary, is that a um, group of people for a boarding school have to stay over the holidays because some students' parents do not or cannot pick them up for the holiday season. Uh, and this is the shenanigans that go on uh, during that holiday season. Yep, that's right. A comedy drama written and directed by Alexander Payne, set in 1970. The Holdovers is starring Paul Giamatti and Divine Joy, along with... Divine Joy Randolph. Divine Joy Randolph and Dominic Sessa. I was thinking Sessa. Sessa. Sure enough. Um, Yeah, so uh, I was going to give... I will give this three and a half popcorns. I was also going to give it three and a half popcorns. I wanted to like it more. I did too. But I just did. Well, so here's my thing about the movie. It's slow. It is slow. And also, it's a very heartfelt movie, but nothing really happens in the movie. I mean, there's things that happen, but they're not like big things. There's one big thing that happens at the end, but even that is kind of not super It's sort big. of a try-hard movie. It, I... They tried too hard to be good instead of just trying to be a good movie. Well, I liked the movie. I liked the characters. I just thought the plot could have had a little bit more to it. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah. But I liked it. Yeah. Probably wouldn't want to watch it again. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> and the thing is, is I've heard so much hype about it, so that's why I was like, again, that's really why I say excited it's about it. really hard yeah. to be a good movie. It really did, but you know, some things just weren't meant to be. Yeah. So, and again, it's not a bad movie. I didn't think it was terrible, um, you know. But outside of Paul Giamatti, that's really the only colorful character. I, everything else. Just I thought didn't. Divine Joy did a really good job too. Nah, I guess. Okay. It just didn't didn't strike home with me. All right. So um, our intro into this is very 70s looking. Um, I actually, um, there's even the pops and the sound from the 70s uh, instead of everything being digital and curated and all that. I really enjoyed that, actually. I thought that, that the attention to detail on that end was really nice. I like I liked the music. Yes, the music was That's good. a good soundtrack. We haven't talked about music for some of these movies in a while, but I thought this was one of the one of the more classic soundtracks. It had 
Allman Brothers, Tony Orlando, some classic Christmas stuff. It's a, it's a pretty good soundtrack if you like 70s music. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're going to have that same commentary on the Iron Claw when we watch that. I feel like it's going to have some good music. It, it did in the trailer, at least, so I'm feeling like that's going to happen again. Anyways, we open up on a chorus group, uh, and they are singing Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. And Paul Giamatti is grading papers, and he's smoking a pipe, and he is angry. We're, we'll call him Henri. Henri? You want to call him that? Yeah, you know, again, 70s set and a classic, classic, I guess, what, in New England. It doesn't really say where in New England, no. right? You get kind of that maybe northern Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire vibe. Yeah. So boarding school there, that's kind of what I took from it. Yeah. Um... And uh, a woman brings him some Christmas cookies, and they're, like, vibing, kind of. Um, And then the kids are packing to go home for the holidays. Uh, This one kid, we'll find out his name is Koontz, accuses our main character, Tully. Now, Tully is his last name. His first name is Agnes. Wait, is that right? I believe so. Agnes. I thought Mm -hmm. Agnes was a girl's name. Now that I said it out loud. Angus. 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 Sorry. That's why I'm getting it confused. All right. Uh, Angus Tully. Um, but so he, Koontz accuses Tully of stealing his cigarettes. And um, then he also is talking about his Speedo. <laughs> Where was he? What, he was going to an island, right? Yeah. He's supposed to be going to a beach vacation. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, St. Kitts, maybe. Yeah, that was it. Um, and uh, and he was like, oh, I'm picking a Speedo. And the guy was like, oh, those are women's underwear. And, you know, that kind of thing. Um, there's a giant holiday meal. And uh, Paul Giamatti is stuck staying over the holidays on campus. And that is because the guy who was supposed to stay lies and says that his mother has lupus. And that's how he gets out of it. So odd disease to pick. Um, also, they um, everybody, the kids and the teachers, call Paul, and his name is Paul. Also in the movie, it's Paul Hunman, um, but they call him Walleye because he's got um, that one eye that kind of wanders a little bit. Um, so. Uh, Giamatti's character, so Paul is he's pretentious he quotes in latin you know that kind of thing like he sort of has a giant disdain for the students and that are under his tutelage yes and you can tell he's very intelligent but probably um feels wasteful that his intelligence is just not being put to use for sure um so the school we found out the school was founded in 1797 um uh, apparently paul giamatti's character i'm just gonna keep calling him paul um uh he failed a student whose father was a senator and the biggest donor for their school (laughs) so the headmaster is kind of um, be, telling him to be nice to the kids, to not be so rigid, to not be so old school. Uh, we find out later that the headmaster used to be one of Paul's students, um, and now he's the headmaster. So uh, the headmaster says, 
pretend to be a human being, please. It's Christmas. <laughs> so um, the teachers and now the uh, so when he's back in class, he teaches ancient civilization. And when they're back in class, he um, gives all the kids their final exam. And the grades are not good. Everybody failed. Except for Tully. Tully has the highest grade and his is a B plus. So um, all the students start, you know, getting upset. Koontz is like, I ha- I'm going to Princeton. I can't, I can't fail this class. I can't. And, and uh, Paul is like, mm, I'm pretty sure you can fail this class. <laughs> and, um, and so then he says, okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, you know, you guys can do a makeup exam when we come back from break. And you, then I'll average the two exams and that'll be your grade. And, um, and then he starts to start the next chapter that they're going to be working on. And Tully kind of pipes up and is like, hey man, uh, are we really going to be starting a new chapter right before break? Right. Fair point, I feel like. I agreed here. I agreed. Because why would you start new material right before break? That seems ridiculous. Cool and unusual. And then on top of that, you know, how are they going to remember, how are they going to hold in the, the, the knowledge of this when you're starting a brand new topic, you know, hours before they're supposed to leave for break? I just, I don't, normally when, I mean, I, this is a high school, it's a boarding school, but it's a high school. And normally when, um, I, like the high schools I went to, obviously we did not do, start new material before break. And uh, our kids also do not start new material before break. But um, when I was in high school, we had our final exams usually on, on, or, you know, the exams would be on the day, the last day before break, because it makes the most sense when you're talking about time management and whatnot. Anyways, so um, Paul does not like this, that he's piped up and, and, basically said that they don't want to start new material so he said fine you guys can go ahead and leave um but uh you will be responsible for all the information in chapter six and you'll still have your exam (laughs) your makeup exam so um he dismisses them and then in chapel it the the tension is high between Koontz and and Tully um, and so they're arguing again, and um, you can tell that um, Tully is a very sarcastic uh, and quick-witted kid, and this Koontz guy is not. So um, in chapel, they talk about uh, a former student named Curtis Lamb who died in service. So he, he died in Vietnam, and his Mary, his mother is her name is Mary. And she's also at the chapel, and she also works in the cafeteria at the boarding school. He went to, um, so we are to understand that Mary basically got him scholarship or was working there so that he could go to school there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tully gets a phone call, and it's his mother, and she's decided that she wants him to stay at school while she goes on her honeymoon. Now her mother, his mother, just got married to her step, his stepdad, um, in July is what we find out. He's like, y'all been married since July, and she's like, yeah, but we didn't get a honeymoon, so we're gonna do our honeymoon now. So you just need to stay at school over break. 
which I dislike immensely. I think it's cruel to do that to a child over the holidays. A little bit. Especially a child that you've already sent away to boarding school that you hardly, so you don't see them every day. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and then you find out about his dad. Yeah, so we'll find out about his dad later, but um, we know something's up with the dad. Uh, You kind of are led to believe that he died, but um, she got remarried in July. I already said that. Uh, so Paul gives, uh, Paul is in charge of the students over the break and he gives them a schedule for the holidays and study requirements. And, um, they'll all be staying in the infirmary during break because they try to save on the heating bill so they don't heat the whole school while it's on break. So they'll only be heating a certain section and that includes the infirmary. So all the boys will be bunking in one room. Uh, we find out that Paul used to be a student at the school. And when they're outside, um, the stu- the t- Koontz is, he starts smoking weed. Um, but not Tully. Tully says, no, I'm not trying to get in trouble. Um, and then there's a guy who uh, plays for the football team. And he, um, they ask him why he's there. And he's like, oh, I'm not going skiing with my family, which is what I would normally do because I won't cut my hair. My dad and I are having kind of a standoff about me cutting my hair. And, um, and then the, uh, there's two other kids. One's a Mormon kid and one's a, um, a guy from South Korea. And so that's their little group. Um, that's the, what is that? Six of them? Yeah. So... Mary and Paul are talking about, uh, being, Mary and Paul are talking about being at the school over the holidays and Mary doesn't want to leave because, um, it's the last place that she was with her son before he went off to Vietnam and then died. So, um, Kuntz is rude and racist. Um, he is, uh. I forget what he said. He said something to the the South Korean kid that was racist. Oh, he said something about his parents in a rickshaw. So, just not a good kid. Not a good person. Um, Kuntz and Tully start to fight because uh, Kuntz has stolen his picture that he had of his um, father and mother and him when he was younger. And, um, the football guy breaks up the fight, uh, right before Paul walks in. And, uh, then Paul's like, I'm going to give you all punishment since nobody will tell me what happened. And then, um, and then he starts talking about what he's going to make them do during punishment. And the Mormon kid cannot take it. And so he says, it's Coon's fault. Coon started it. So, um, Coon's is now in trouble. He's not... When they're eating dinner um, that evening, he is at the table, but he's further away from them at the table. I guess that's part of his punishment. I'm not really sure. Um, but Kuntz is makes some really crass comment about Mary, about how, like, uh, why doesn't she just get over it already about her son dying? And Paul reams him out. Um Then later, Paul finds Mary watching the newlywed game. He joins her. Paul says that they've had it, that these kids have had it easy their whole lives after Mary says to go easy on the boys. Um, and then, um, she says that her son's 
because they're talking and, and Paul's asking her and she says that her son's father died before uh, Curtis was born um, and her son was only 19 when he died. So Curtis was a good kid at school. He did, uh, he did well in school uh, and he had Paul as a teacher, but he did not like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary tells him it's it's nobody really likes Paul. Yeah, and uh, he doesn't really begrudge the kid for not liking him. So um, he, the, Curtis was apparently planning to go to college on a GI Bill, which is why he ended up in the military in the big in the first place. So, um, I, and Mary heard everything that Coon said, so she does not like that kid, which I don't blame her. Then the next morning, uh, Paul wakes them all up early to exercise while he smokes his pipe, which was funny because he's telling them that if you don't get exercise, the body eats itself. Um, and uh, he's just standing there smoking a pipe. And then he like, starts hacking a little bit. So um, He's constantly drinking whiskey. Yes. And the kids pick up on it. They know he's drunk at like 11 a.m. or at least, you know, halfway through a bottle at 11 a.m. Um, so we find out that the football kids' dad is super rich. They call him Wild Bill. And apparently... Well, that was the pilot, was Wild Bill. Oh, okay. Well, apparently, um, Wild Bill will put down a chopper anywhere. Uh, and so um, they're also talking about Fort Union, the military academy. Tully says that he, um, he's been kicked out of several schools. And if he gets kicked out of Barton, he'll end up in military school. And then he'll end up going to probably the Vietnam War. So, in the middle of the night, the Korean kid starts crying. Um, He's had a nightmare, and he's wet the bed. Uh, He misses his family, and Tully's really sweet to him. He tells him that it's okay, that he'll help him with the sheets in the morning, but he needs to be quiet because he doesn't want the other kids to find out because they'll never give him any quarter. True that. So, um, they're studying, and all of a sudden you hear chopper sounds, and we know that football... Kid, football guy's dad has come to get him and um so he has come in his helicopter and he offers to take everybody skiing and everybody's super excited tully and paul are the only ones left because they cannot reach tully's mom to get permission from tully's mom to let him go on the ski trip so now he has to stay at school because they were able to reach everybody else's parents and get permission so now it's and because you know because Tully can't go Paul can't go um so he's like I don't like it any better than you do I could be skiing right now you know or like I could be at least sitting on the side of the you know at a ski lodge or whatever um that night Paul and Mary watched the newlywed game again and Tully's in the room with them and um Paul says he almost got married once after Mary asks, and then, you know, so they're just talking. And then Tully sneaks into his room in the middle of the night when he's drunk. Uh, well, not drunk. I guess he, he was drunk, but then he fell asleep and he's snoring. And so he sneaks into his room. He steals his keys. He runs around. He eats ice cream out of the freezer. He smokes a cigarette in the chapel, or was that in the chorus area? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. He, um... He stares at Curtis's photo at in the chapel, and then Mary comes in. Um, and then that morning, Paul offers his Christmas cookies to Tully and Mary. He says that he's, you know, 
trying, you know, to make an effort. And then Tully excuses himself to the bathroom, but he uses the phone to call a hotel. And then Paul and Tully get into a shouting match, and Paul gives him detention. But Tully just runs away. And because Paul is in such bad shape, Tully repeats the line back to him about, uh, if you don't exercise, the body eats itself. (laughs) um, It's smart. Exactly. And so then Tully runs to the gym and uh, Paul says, this is the line. If you cross it, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm suspending you. And Tully runs into the gym, uh, jumps off of the vault on the gym and he proceeds to dislocate his shoulder. (laughs) He starts screaming. And, uh, so Paul has to take him to the hospital. Uh, when Paul tells Tully that he'll lose his job because he didn't take care of him, Tully lies to the nurse, tells him that this that Paul is his father and that he doesn't get to spend much time with him. And he's so nervous that if his mother finds out, she won't let him spend any time with him. And he asks her, please, can we not file through insurance? Please, can we just pay in cash? And he convinces the nurse. And, um... Uh, that's that. So, um, then after they're done at the hospital, Tully convinces Paul to go to a burger joint. Um, and then they run into the same te- uh, she's not a teacher. She's secretary, Miss Crane, who gave Paul the cookies earlier in the movie. And, um, so she tells him that she, t- she picks up extra shifts during the holidays. Um, she... They talk about the headmaster a little bit. She's the headmaster's secretary. And they both kind of talk trash about the headmaster a little bit. And then she invites them to her Christmas party. And then um, Tully almost gets into a fight because he wants to play pinball. And I guess the protocol for pinball is that you, if you want up next, yeah, you go you and put, put your put money. Put your money down. Temple for our standard arcade etiquette back in the day. Right. So, um, but the guy that's playing is like, no, my buddy's playing next. And he's like, no, I'm doing the proper etiquette and I'm playing next. And then the buddy comes over and we see that the buddy does not have a hand. Um, and so, uh, he, they, they almost get into a fight. They basically run after him as he runs back to his table to tell Paul that he let's get out of here. And Paul offers to buy them beers and, um, well, first he says, uh, would, is there anything you'd like to imbibe? And, you know, he's very pretentious in the way he offers the beers to the fact, to the point where the two men do not understand what he's saying. And Miss Crane has to be like, oh, hey, um, he's offering to buy you beers. And then they're like, oh, okay. And, um, and, and Tully's mad that he's bought beers for those guys. And, and Tully's like, yeah. You're a spoiled rich kid who doesn't understand that, like, those kids went to Vietnam and he lost his hand, Yeah. you know, in Vietnam. And, um, so they also talk about the fact that apparently Paul has a fish smell. Um, his body can't break down trimethylamoria. I know that I did not say that right, but we'll pretend I did. And um, that's what causes the smell, and it's worse in the later in the day. So, the next morning, the janitor comes in and says someone vomited in the gym. And uh, both Paul and Tully act like they have no idea what, what he's talking about. 
gives them the broom. Yep, he gives them the bucket and the mop, and he just walks away. He's like, I'm not dealing with that. And um, then Mary makes brownies for Mrs. Crane's party and says that they were invited too. Tully didn't know they were invited because Miss Crane invited them while Tully was away from the table at the burger joint. So Tully wants to go to the party. And Paul says no. And then Tully flips out. And then Mary says she'll take him to the party. And then Paul finally agrees. So they all three end up going to the party. <clears throat> they get to the party. I should have brought some water up here. My throat is like <laughs> killing me. So, a lot of synopsis. Yes, it is a lot of synopsis. And the air is very dry with the heat running. So... They get to the party. Um, Tully stares at a snow globe. We'll learn more about that later. Elise, the niece, takes Tully downstairs to the basement where all the kids are. They're making crafts. Mary and Danny, the janitor, um, have a thing. I put question mark. Uh, he it, he comes. He he. They're excited to see each other. He gives her a gift. And she says, oh, I didn't get you anything. And he's like, yeah, you did. You got me that beautiful smile. So, you know, it's early days, I guess, in their relationship. (laughs) And then Tully and Elise are doing crafts. And she asks if if he's trying to look down her shirt. And he says, yes. And then she leans in to kiss him. Okay, we're going to take a break because I really cannot keep going without having water. So, um, Tully and Elise are doing crafts. She asks if he's looking down her shirt. He says yes, and then she leans in to kiss him. Miss Crane then kisses Paul on the cheek because he's standing under the mistletoe. And he compliments her for her tree, uh, says it's very space-agey, and she says that she got it after, uh, she got it to commemorate the moon landing. We see Mary getting drunk in the other room, and she's getting very sad about Curtis. Understandable. Um, and then she starts to get a little mean. She goes off on one of the other guests about not changing the music, uh, cause he wants to play something more hip and she's playing music that sounds like maybe it's from the fifties or something. It's jazz. Yeah, okay. Anyways, we find out Mrs. Crane's first name is Lydia. And then she kisses another man on the lips that walks in the door. So we are to understand that she has some kind of bow or partner or husband or something um so then Tully or uh Paul is like oh of course um so Tully goes to get Paul um Mary's having a complete breakdown in the kitchen and so they are taking her home and then Paul and Tully get into an argument um Paul says that he was he was hoping oh because Tully wants to come back after they take Mary back home. And Paul's like, no, absolutely not. How could you only think about yourself at at a time like this? And he's like, I'm just trying to have fun and not be around you all the time. And then Paul says, you know, that he was hoping that he says, do you think I want to be here? Do you think that I would, you know, I was hoping your mother would answer the phone or your father would come get you. And then he, then Tully says, my father's dead. And he storms off. 
And then Mary scolds Paul for saying something mean to a kid who's been left behind on Christmas. So Paul feels guilty, so he buys a Christmas tree um, on Christmas morning to try and be nice. Of course, he doesn't have any lights or um, (laughs) ornaments, so it's just a tree. He gives him a book uh, called Meditations. Marcus Aurelius. And then he also gives Mary the same book. Plus liquor. Um, so we see that Tully gets a card from his mother with cash in it. So not even a thoughtful gift for the kid that you've left behind on Christmas while you go and gallivant around. A kid that you don't see regularly anyways because he's in boarding school. I have so many problems with the mother in this, in this story. I dislike her very much for what she's doing to this child. So, anyways. um, Then Mary makes them Christmas dinner, and Paul says it was great. Tully says it's a first for him because his mom normally orders from Delaney's, Delano's, somewhere. Some fancy restaurant. (coughs) And he says thanks to Mary. And then Paul says that he wants to make the holiday nice. So he asks what either one of them, um, what he can do for either one of them to make the holiday nice. Tully says he wants to go to Boston. Paul says no at first, but reluctantly says okay. It can be a field trip because he's been given some kind of stipend for a field trip. Yep. So, all three of them go to Boston. Mary is visiting her little sister who's pregnant. And Tully and Paul will get a hotel room. Mary is staying at what looks to be the baby's room. What will be the baby's room. And she's putting away clothes. Now, they don't specify here. It seemed like she was putting away some of Curtis's old baby clothes in her sister's dresser. So, like, giving her sister some of Curtis's old baby clothes. That's what it seemed like to me. But they don't tell you. You just know that it's hard because she's seeing these baby clothes, you know, and she's lost a child. So, Paul and uh, Tully are at an outside bookstore it's not like a bookstore it's like a thrift kind of thing but everything's outside and it's snowing I'm not really sure what's going on here but whatever a sex worker comes up to Paul and tries to convince him to come uh with her and he declines and Tully's like you could have gone and gotten some candy cane and um and he's like no thank you um and then they go to a museum and you know they're looking at a whole bunch of different things and Paul gives him a whole spiel about history is not just a study of the past, but an explanation of the present. And Tully points out that if he taught like that, instead of yelling, maybe the kids would like him more at school. And maybe the teachers too, because not a lot of people like him. Paul and they go to a um, ice skating rink and Tully skates while Paul just watches. And then... As they're leaving, Paul runs into Hugh Cavanaugh, who is a classmate that he had at Harvard. And Hugh has tenure at Harvard. So uh, Tully 
Um, Tully plays along with Paul's, uh, to bolster Paul's image. (coughs) He, um... He makes up a story. He lies. Yeah. Well, Paul lies first, and that's what gives Tully the leeway to just go right into it. Tully says that his name's Leonard, and he's, uh, Paul's nephew, and that Paul is writing a book on ancient cameras. (laughs) So, um, it's, uh... It's funny. And then Paul admits to uh, Tully that he had an incident at Harvard where he was thrown out for hitting his roommate with his car after his roommate lied about um, his senior thesis. The roommate lied and said that Paul stole from him when it was really the other way around. Yes, he framed Paul for plagiarism and that ruined his career prospects and forced him to be a teacher at this boarding school, which explains his bitterness. Yes, so he never got to graduate from Harvard, and now he has, so he has no degree, and um, so, but apparently Dr. Green, who was the old headmaster, um, believed in Paul, believed that Paul, what Paul was saying about Harvard and everything, so he, you know, didn't ever hold it against him. He brought him back to the school, and nobody at the school knows. Dr. Green was the only person that knew that he didn't have his, that he didn't graduate from Harvard. So, we see at some point in time that Tully is on medication for depression. We also see that Paul is on the same medication for depression. So, they kind of have an understanding. They go bowling. Tully starts talking with some girls. And then Paul tries to talk to some of the guys at the bar. But again, he's too pretentious. (laughs) He's explaining to the guy who's drunk at the bar in in a Santa suit that the Santa suit actually isn't very accurate to the time period because St. Nicholas would have been a, um, he would have been a priest in the, uh, in an area where they would have worn probably sandals instead of fur and boots. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously it doesn't really go with the, um, with the climate of the area that they live in or, you know, the whole story about Christmas or, uh, chimneys and all that. So, um... Which, I thought St. Nicholas came from Germany, but he was saying that it came from the area that would be modern-day Turkey. No, I didn't. Interesting. I didn't look it up. Sorry about that. Um, so, the guys at the bar are not vibing. And then, uh, they, the two of them end up going to a movie, and then Tully goes to the bathroom again which is the same thing that he pulled when he was at the school where he was trying to call and get a hotel room instead of actually going to the bathroom this time he's trying to leave and get into a taxi now um, Paul realizes a couple minutes after he's gone to the bathroom that he's probably trying to leave again and so he runs after him and um, he opens the taxi door that uh, Tully has gotten into And Tully says he just wants to visit his dad, and Paul assumes a cemetery because, you know, he he said earlier that his dad died, um, or that his dad was dead. So he's like, "Oh, well, I mean, I don't, I'm fine with going to a cemetery." Well, we end up going instead to a mental hospital. Yes. And we see that his father doesn't really recognize him. Um, He has some kind of paranoid delusions, um, and. Yeah, like schizophrenia, just yeah, dementia. 
Maybe. Yeah. Some she the mom said it later in the book, and I did not write it down because I was just angry with her, so I didn't write it down. Um, but apparently, four years ago, he started acting strange and erratic, and um, they tried to put him on medication, and it, he just started acting more strange, and then he started getting angry. And I guess he was physical with somebody, and I don't know if that was the mom or with with him. It, he doesn't really explained. specify. But then he says that's when they when they locked him away. And um, and that's also when she, his mom put him in boarding school uh, as not to be reminded of uh, his father. So, again, I have problems with this mother. She may be dealing with her husband having psychological issues, but you don't punish a child for reminding you of that person. And you don't just put a child away in boarding school and then just leave them on a holiday. Like, I just... There's so many things about the mom's treatment of her son that makes me incredibly frustrated. Anyways... He's worried about becoming like his dad. And Paul tells him that he's his own man. He's not even a man. He's still a kid. He'll make his own way. Um, But, you know, Tully wants all this to be kept secret. And so then Mary joins them for dinner at a restaurant that they're at. And the waitress uh, won't serve them Cherry's Jubilee because Tully is underage and it has alcohol in it. Which is silly. Uh, Both Mary and... Paul are like, the alcohol burns off. What are you talking about? And then he's like, okay, fine. I will order the Jerry's Jubilee and he can have some. And she's like, I can't do that. And so he calls her a fascist. And then um, then Mary's like, fine. Get us some ice cream and some cherries. And she's like, alright. And and he's like, and the check. And so then she she the waitress leaves and then they go out in the parking lot and make their own Jerry's Jubilee. It gets a little out of hand. <laughs> they just set the ice cream on fire. Yeah. So, but um, that's what they did. So, uh, they drive back to Barton for New Year's Eve. Uh, we see on the screen that it's 1971 when the clock uh, turns to the new year. And they celebrate with Danny. Danny's there, too. Um, then the next scene. They set off an MAD in the Yes, they, <laughs> they set off a firework in the kitchen, which I would not suggest um everyone is back at school and the football guy has cut his hair that's right he he acquiesced and um Koontz has got a really bad sunburn on his face from the ski slopes uh and Paul points it out and asks him if he was Icarus and if he flew too close to the sun and Koontz is like what (laughs) okay um They have a pop quiz in Paul's class on chapter six, the new material, and then they have the exam to retake. Tully's mom and stepfather come, and they're mad to find out that um, Tully and Paul obviously went to Boston because they find out that um, the Tully's father, Tom, had a snow globe that obviously was given to him by Tully. Yeah, old Angus there stole it from the party, from Lydia's party. Oh, I knew that that it meant something because he was looking at it. I just thought he was looking at it and was going to, but I I didn't realize he had stolen it. Yeah, from the party. Okay. So, um, so they say that he almost 
um, brained and orderly with the snow globe. And so they're mad. They're like, you don't understand what you've done. You know, like now we have to move Tom and all this stuff. Cause now he keeps asking to come home and obviously that can't happen. And it's like, Really, she was just mad at the inconvenience of the situation. Absolutely. Not that he went and saw his dad at Christmas. No. She's mad that, like, because Tom um, got confused, he started asking her questions she didn't want to deal with, and then um, almost, you know, hit an orderly with the snow globe, and so now he's got to be moved to a different um, facility. So it's it's more that it's it yes inconvenienced her rather than the fact that he went and saw his father, and as Paul says, um, Paul knows that they well they also say they want to pull him out they want to pull Tully out of Barton and they want him to go to military school, and they're giving Paul the benefit of the doubt being like we know that he lies so we know that he tricked you into going, and Paul goes no, he didn't trick me, I knew and it was my idea. And they're extremely mad. And he's like, you left a child over the holidays. You made him feel unloved and unwanted. I thought that it'd be good for him to go see his father. Yeah. So he kind of falls on the blade here, but also sticks up for the kid because he, the kid is going, I mean, he's got a crappy home life. So, um, Paul ends up getting fired. Um, after Paul does tell them how smart Tully is and how devastating it would be to pull him from the school. And he has so much potential. And he tells the headmaster off. Yes. <laughs> he tells the headmaster that he's always known that he was um, a cancer of the penis. I don't remember. Anus. Oh, anus. I thought he said penis. I thought he said butt cancer. Well, but. whatever. Either way, it's not good. He's some kind of cancer. Um, In a not so great area. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so Paul is fired. He's packing up, and we see a box full of <laughs> full of the meditation. Yeah, the Mar- it's the Marcus Aurelius Stoic meditation. So that's uh, it's funny. So apparently, he gives them to lots of people. Um, Mary uh, comes by his office and gives him a journal um, so that he can write his book. Because at one point, before all the run-in with Paul Cavanaugh, when they're watching the newlywed game, at some point. Paul had said he had thought about writing a book at one point in time, but then he didn't know if he had a whole book in him. So Mary came by, gave him a journal so that he can write. Yeah, book. wanted to write his monograph. Yeah. And um, what's a monograph? Like a book, but kind of specific on one subject and shorter. Okay. Um, so, um, so Mary gives him the journal and then Mary says that she's staying at the school because she's saving up for her sister's baby's college. So, um, and then apparently her sister is going, if, if the baby is a boy, her sister's going to have the middle name be Curtis. So very sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we see that Tully realizes that Paul said something to save him from military school and that whatever he said, it cost him his job. Yeah, and they share a heartfelt goodbye. Yes. Um, he tells Tully to keep his head up, and Tully says, I was going to say something the same back to you. And um, then they have a handshake, and that's it. Oh, we also see that Paul... Leaving the school... He drinks cognac he stole from the president's office and spits it out. Yes. He stole a bottle of fancy liquor from the headmaster's office. 
Yeah. And yeah. Fine cognac, and he just spit, spit it out like my mouthwash and drove it down the highway. Yeah. That's I mean, all she wrote. That's the end. I'd like to think something good for Paul happens, but feel very bad for him because not only is he gone from the only job he's ever had, but now he also doesn't have somebody that's going to cover for him on his um, Harvard not having a degree situation. So if he really does end up writing a book, that would be good for him. Um, But, you know. I think that's kind of the point. It's sort of a melancholy ending. Yeah. Not really a happy ending so much as the life goes on ending, as so many times can be the case. Well, I also hope that Tully can get done with high school and and, um, get out of his mother's I don't know, whatever. If he can get done with high school and get into college, and as long as she's paying for it, you know, I guess he can. Because that was the thing. Yeah, she, she. She married into money. Yeah, and she. I mean, she doesn't care. They just, they just kind of want him out of their hair. Oh, I think it's also like they want to be able to brag about, like, oh, my child is in this school, you know. Yeah, I can see that. So, that was the book. Um, book. I keep saying book. I'm so rusty because well, we missed two weeks. It felt like a book sometimes. <laughs> it did feel like a book. Maybe it would have been better as a book. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Um, so, as I said in the beginning of the episode, we will be um, trying to cover some Oscars movies before the Oscars happen. Apparently, they happen in early March. So, we've got... a good bit of time but also a lot of movies to cover we're not going to be able to cover all the movies however the holdovers is one of the oscar nominations so we hit two birds with one stone with this one there you go and we got barbie in there already so yes it's probably get a nominee we need to get oppenheimer and yes. the iron claw and i think we both wanted to see may december so um those are the ones that i know of right now that are on our list uh, and we'll keep trudging away. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like and a share and a review wherever you get your podcast from. As always, we encourage you to drink lots of water and <laughs> <laughs> eat some popcorn. There you go.